At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. This is Live Bet Sunday on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Second hour Live Bet Sunday here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network presented by BetMGM. A reminder for those of you who are just joining us here, it's 10 a.m. out here on the West Coast. Uh, we are going to be with you starting at 10 a.m. on Sundays. That, of course, is during the opening window of those morning games in the National Football League. For today, we started an hour early. Remember, Starting next Sunday, Brent Musburger and his glorious return. Brent Musburger's countdown to kickoff will start at 9 a.m. here on the Sports Betting Network following Lombardi Lines on your NFL Sunday. So that'll be a lot of fun. And, of course, it'll be a lot of fun keeping track of the NFL morning games with you from an in-game perspective starting next week. So speaking of which, we get back to the National Football League. We're breaking down some of the NFL Week 1 contests that we are going to see uh, starting on Thursday between the Bills and the Rams. We can go through some of the line moves as well uh, that we have seen in Week 1 up to this point. Um, But let's kind of run through some of these other games that, at least for me, I have circled in some of the bets that I have already made. Uh, Let's start with this. So I mentioned at the top of the show when we're talking a little bit about Week 1, the teaser leg that I already throw in, uh, the teaser that I've thrown in there. One leg being the Los Angeles Rams, teasing them up to 8.5, against the Buffalo Bills. The other leg of that being the Minnesota Vikings who are playing host to the Green Bay Packers. So you'll notice too, a little bit of a theme here, right? Uh, Two home underdogs in the range of about one and a half, two points, teasing them up through those key numbers and getting just above those eight points. Um, But here with me, when it comes to Minnesota, there's a couple of things. And the Vikings are a team that I have taken a position on relatively early uh, in the regular season in that I have a bet on them to win the NFC North. I've included them here in this leg. And I do think that, they are a team that have a lot of positive signs for some positive bounce here. And when you look at some of those, right, for example, last year, for those who don't remember, in the first 11 games of the season, Minnesota Vikings were a team that had a lead of seven or more points in each of the first 11 games, and yet were five and six in those 11 games. Unheard of. First team to ever do something like that, the uh, Minnesota Vikings. This offense has the makings of being a statistically dominant force, a top 10 overall passing offense. If you look at Kirk Cousins' season from a year ago, a very, very good season, statistically a top five passer in the National Football League, and yet conservative decisions from a coaching standpoint, some relatively poor play in clutch situations, both offensively and defensively, led them to have a relatively disappointing season. But I think the Vikings, with a new coaching staff, are a team to kind of buy on here as you enter the regular season. And on the flip side, you have Green Bay in this matchup, a team that is being priced very high, and rightfully so, because they still have Aaron Rodgers and because they have one of the better defenses in the NFL. But 
we still have this issue with Green Bay in that their wide receiving core is a little bit of an unknown, and I do think that you have to knock this offense ever so slightly until we figure out what this offense is going to look like with this new wide receiver core. And keep in mind, too, you know, there's comparisons made for Kansas City, Baltimore, and Green Bay in that the wide receiver rooms as a whole are weaker, largely untested, especially when it comes to Green Bay. Kansas City went the route of proven commodities and names that we kind of know already to this point, uh, but no real stud. But here's the difference. Baltimore and Kansas City both have a tight end that are very, very good in terms of being a pass catcher and being able to help out, right? Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. For Green Bay, they really don't have anything. And so what this drop-off potentially looks like with this offense, I do think that Green Bay comes into the season slightly overvalued until we understand how good they could potentially be. And I get it, Aaron Rodgers is still absolutely fantastic, but the last two in the last two seasons, the MVP years, he was great. But he also had Devontae Adams, arguably one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League, and wide receivers are worth more and more in today's game in the National Football League. So all these things put together, looking at Minnesota in this spot specifically too, as a teaser leg where you can get up, now it's two, you can get up to that eight, seven and a half point range and use them on another leg. Like we mentioned, the three road favorites that we discussed in the range of a touchdown are obviously out there. Uh, but for me, I tend to I tend to skew a little bit more teasing up some of these home underdogs through those key numbers. And for me, it's the Rams and it is the Vikings. So that's one teaser I have out there for week one. And again, from a future and just a big picture standpoint, teams again to kind of take a little bit of a position on as you kind of move in, it is the Minnesota Vikings for me as we head into 2022. Yeah, I made the joke before. I think I've said it on here. But again, you just you strip away the logos, and I give you the profile of Minnesota. A lot of people would say it's a really good team and a team that is worth, I think, supporting. But then you put everything out there, and you're like, oh, it's the Vikings. It's Kirk Cousins. Not so much. Um, I, I think this is a team that is very much on the verge of having a very, very good year in this coming season in the NFL. All right. A couple of matchups here that are very much worth discussing. First off, uh, I wanted to go to Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. So we're sitting at six and a half for the Cincinnati Bengals with a total of 44 and a half. And I will say this because you're floating around a key number of seven for the Cincinnati Bengals. And generally, when a number doesn't really go up to a key number, and obviously key numbers are key for a reason. So you're going to get a lot of betters who are just going to play the number overall. Uh, but this thing has not budged since opening up at six and a half for the Cincinnati Bengals. And this thing opened up back in May. It's been pretty much sitting six and a half this entire time. But I do think... Steelers aren't a team that I want to take a position against necessarily as we enter the year. And I do think Cincinnati, as we kind of came into the preparation portion of the offseason, uh, at least for me, I came in thinking highly of Cincinnati. And it's not like I think less of them or think that they're terrible. But I do think that maybe I overvalued what I thought of them before I started getting ready for the year. Having said that, I do think that this is, on paper, one of the worst teams that Mike Tomlin's had in a really long time and arguably in his entire tenure in the National Football League. Mitch Trubisky is going to be starting a quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky, who has a really big problem with turnover-worthy plays, who does have some weapons, uh, including Najee Harris, of course. But when you look at it from the standpoint of what this offense is going to be, there's not great strides made along the offensive line. There's some improvements, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be a lot better. At this point, I think we know what Mitchell Trubisky is as a quarterback, even in a new system. We're going to talk about potential turnover-worthy plays, the inability to find some consistency in terms of the passing attack. Yes, there is a, a, um, a bit of athleticism there that he's going to be able to use that we didn't really see with Ben Roethlisberger. But I think at this point, asking when you're projecting out for a season, right? Asking Mitchell Trubisky to be any different or projecting him to be any different than the years that we saw him as quarterback of the Chicago Bears when he was a starter, I think it is somewhat foolhardy to think that. We have a large enough sample size to realize what Mitchell Trubisky is at this point right now, and especially coming into a game like this. I think when you look at it, there are some really good advantages here for the Cincinnati Bengals to take advantage of Pittsburgh. I have not laid six and a half. I think those six and a half are going to be out there. So I've just taken my time to see what the market does with this. But keep an eye on something here in this matchup, and it's part of the bigger picture with Pittsburgh moving forward. You're going to hear a lot about how the Pittsburgh Steelers, because of their brand, are a very good defensive team. And they have good defensive pieces. Uh, T.J. Watt, I was going to say J.J. Watt. T.J. Watt's obviously one of the best edge rushers in the National Football League and all-around defenders because if you look at some of his numbers as a pass rusher and a run stopper, he's very good. Hayward in the middle is one of the better interior defense alignment in the National Football League. However, Pittsburgh last year was a horrendous team against the run. We're talking bottom 20s in multiple statistical categories when it came to defending the run. 
The same could be said, too, of their secondary, which has at corner and at safety some really average players, and including Nika Fitzpatrick, who had a very bad year last year, if you look at some of the advanced analytics behind it. The Steelers, I think, when you're talking about, again, this number floating around that six and a half and not really budging, the Bengals, I think, can come in, and it seems like a really big game for Joe Mixon and a unit that has gotten much better along the offensive line Cincinnati has. I would not be surprised to see the Bengals come in and have a really big game here and cover a number like six and a half against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And again, kind of going back to what I'm talking about, where the Steelers are a team that I have not really, look, I have my projections and power ratings and all that kind of stuff that I personally do. And I do think the market is a little high, as high as you can be on a team that's you know floating around a win total of like seven or so. But I think that the Steelers are one of these teams that this is more about reputation and how good Tomlin is. I mean, think about it. Anytime I at least have heard analysis around the Pittsburgh Steelers, it in some form or fashion ends with the, I just trust Mike Tomlin to get it done. Well, at some point, Tomlin's a really good coach. You can only do so much with the pieces that you're given. And I think that that kind of skews the way the market has rated this Steelers team as we move into the year. So that is a situation that I have circled. I wanted to go to San Francisco and Chicago too. And we talked about this earlier in the show. San Francisco, seven-point favorite, total of 41.5. Brett Spielberger was with us. He laid seven with the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are one of the win totals that I have bet under. I've got a few win totals out there. San Francisco under 10 is one of them. Playing against what is the perception that Cal Shanahan, much like Mike Tomlin, is just going to be able to do whatever he wants to do. And their roster is obviously much better. But this is more about focusing on Trey Lance and what's going to be here. Because here's the thing. I've got future positions on both of these teams. I would very much like the 49ers to win this game because I've, even though I have an under on them, I've got a little bit more on the Bears to go under their win total of six and a half. So winning this game as a seven-point favorite wouldn't really kill me as somebody who bet under 10 for the San Francisco 49ers, given that it's very likely they're going to win this game. However, when you're talking about seven, the full seven, with Trey Lance, who in a very short sample size in the two preseason games, showed two very different performances for the San Francisco 49ers in that the passes were extremely inaccurate in that second game that he played for San Francisco outside of the first game, and he only had five dropbacks in the first game. You read reports in terms of his inability at times to be accurate as a passer, right? Ball's too high, ball's too low. This is an experiment with Trey Lance, and this was one of the projections when he was coming out of the draft, right? It was going to be a project building him up. He has the potential to be extremely good, But what he is as an NFL quarterback remains to be seen. And I am really surprised, to an extent, the market perception of the 49ers are just going to hit the ground running. Their defensive front is good, and it's deep. And their linebacking core is really solid. And I really like what they have at wide receiver with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And I think Ayuk's due for, maybe, if Trey Lance hits, a relatively solid year. But when so much is on a guy like Trey Lance, who was a really big unknown... And now you're talking about power rating them in the range that they are. Seven, a full seven on the road against Chicago. Again, home field's not really worth that much, but to lay a full key number here and the market having no problem with that, I just do wonder if the market has maybe, just maybe, gotten over its skis a little bit here with San Francisco from a power rating standpoint. I have taken a position on that, betting them under, um, but I'll put it this way. It would be Chicago or pass, but I don't want to bet on a team like Chicago and have to sweat that thing out. I made this number personally about six, so we'll see if that's going to be the case. But uh, it's just one of those things where, you know what, like, yeah, I show a little bit of value, but I also don't want to sit there and bet on the Chicago Bears because the Bears kind of stink and sweating that out the first week of the NFL uh, might not be very good for my health. All right, when we come back, let's take a look at uh, a little bit more. we got a lot to get to here in this uh, hour. Ian McMillan's going to join us. Let's talk a little bit more about what we're going to see in football on the other side. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now 
wherever you listen. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Bet Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's keep it rolling with analysis week one in the National Football League. Ian McMillan is nice enough to give us some time today. Uh, Ian, we appreciate the time. Um, So let's start with a topic that we were actually discussing right before we had you on. This Bengals game has sat at six and a half pretty much this entire time against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am of the belief that this is the worst roster that Mike Tomlin has had. And I think it is somewhat foolhardy to believe that a a guy like Mr. Trubisky is going to be any different than what we saw in large sample sizes in his years in Chicago. The Bengals minus six and a half is what I'm getting to is a play that I think I will be on by the time we get there. We haven't gotten to seven, so I don't think I'm in any worry of missing out. Do you share the same sentiment? Yeah, I do. I love the Bengals in this spot. I mean, the Steelers, and I was saying this last year uh, in the postseason, I thought they were one of the worst playoff teams in NFL history. Statistically, they were like amongst the worst teams. If you look at things like yards per play, yards allowed per play, uh, they allowed the most yards per carry in the NFL last year, the worst run defense. Uh, and then I think they kind of they certainly didn't get much better in the offseason. Right. Uh, whereas the Bengals, what they did was sure up their one weak spot in the offseason, which was their offensive line. Uh, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, Lael Collins. This Bengals team, I think, is going to be dangerous this year. So as long as it stays at that six and a half number, I love the Bengals in this spot. I think this is a game between the best team in that division and the worst. So you say that, the, you know, the Bengals having a big year. We have seen this market shift a little bit in terms of the division, right? Early on, Bengals were the favorite to win it. Ravens have emerged as now the favorite of the AFC North at multiple shops, if not every single one of them. Uh, Do you believe that the Bengals are the best team in the AFC North? I do think so. I I think obviously the other tough call is the Ravens because they're so injured last year. It's kind of a little bit difficult to see, uh, to predict just how good uh, this Ravens team is going to be. But like I said, this this, uh, Bengals team is going to be dangerous. They had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL last year. Now they, they, I think they have a a top five offensive line after those free agent signings that they got. So yeah, I do think the Bengals are the best team in the AFC North. All right, let's stay in the AFC North then. Um, Now I have certain teams uh, that I want to take positions on, right? As as the year approaches, one of them is Carolina, but it's not in week one. I think the market's gotten a little too heavy here in terms of flipping this in favor of the Carolina Panthers to the point where now we're a hook away from a field goal the Browns have a really good roster and that's a really good running game Brissett within structure can be very good if this gets to three I'll be in on the Browns but it looks like you're in here on Cleveland you think the market's a little too high 
Yeah, I, I'm in on Cleveland regardless. I think too many people are overreacting to the fact that Jaco- Jacoby Brissett's going to be the quarterback, who really isn't that bad of a quarterback. And, and like you mentioned, don't forget this Browns team uh, has one of the best defenses in the NFL and one of the best running games uh, in the NFL. Actually, the only team that allowed fewer yards per play last season was the Buffalo Bills. So uh, even though Jacoby Brissett's going to be under center for the Browns, I think they're a much better team than the Panthers. And I'm certainly not listening to this narrative of, oh, Baker Mayfield's going to be motivated going right. against his former team. Like, at the end of the day, he's, he's going to play how Baker May- Mayfield plays. So uh, I, I certainly like the Browns as underdogs. That's you fun. know, the other day I was motivated to run a mile, and I gassed out three-tenths of the way in. So right, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, motivation early <laughs> only does so much for you. All right, let's go to the season opener on Thursday. Uh, Rams and Bills. So I have included the Rams on a teaser uh, getting them up to eight and a half. And again, one of those things, if we're getting to three, I'm going to be in on the Rams. I think the market, here's been my thing, Ian, the bills are good. And I don't mind saying that they're the best team in the AFC or in the, or in the league. My issue is with the degree to which the market has them favored. And I think this is again, kind of that instance. I think we forget how good this Rams team is when they're healthy. And I get the Stafford elbow thing, but it seems to have cleared up as best as it can coming into the year. I think the market's a little too high here on Buffalo in the season opener. Yeah, it's kind of weird. The Rams are defending Super Bowl champions and they're kind of underrated heading into yep. this year. It's it's strange how, how that's the case, because, I mean, this is largely still um, the same roster as last year, even, you know, added in some pieces. Uh, and whereas this, the big concern I have about the Bills, you said it, they're still going to be a top team in the AFC. They're still going to be a Super Bowl contender. But let's not forget how easy their schedule was last year, and they didn't really do well against playoff teams in the regular season. I think they went two and four uh, in the regular season last year against teams that ended up in the playoffs. Two and five if you throw in the Colts, who just missed out on a playoff spot. So I need to see how the Bills uh, do against uh, these high-caliber, top-tier teams uh, before I'm going to back them as favorites against them. So, uh, yeah, I certainly like the Rams on opening night. Yeah, I keep going back to I think we, we tend to forget that Bills team lost to the Jags and was seven and six at one point last year. Uh, <laughs> right, they were good, uh, but I don't know if they're as good as the market says they are. All right, a game I have no read on whatsoever, so I can't wait to hear your analysis on this. Uh, we know that Philly's season is dependent on what Jalen Hurts is. They take on Hard Knocks Darling Detroit, who was one of the best cover teams in the NFL last year. They're four-point favorites on the road. What's the analysis? Yeah, I like the Eagles in the spot. I think the Lions are getting a little bit of a hard knocks bump. People are kind of, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid about the Lions, about Dan Campbell. And I I will admit, Dan Campbell is truly a a leader of men. He's a very likable character. Is he a good football coach, though? I still don't know. I know they're the best team or one of the best teams against the spread last year, which you mentioned. Uh, But a lot of those were backdoor covers. And if you look at them statistically, they're still a bottom five team. So I'm not buying in on the hype on the Lions this year whatsoever. Whereas I like the Eagles quite a bit. They had a very good defense last year. Their pass rush uh, wasn't good. Uh, Then they got Jordan Davis out of Georgia. Hopefully that will uh, shore up the pass pass rush a little bit. Uh, So this is just a bet on a team who I like a lot this year going against a team who I think is being a little bit overrated. All right. And uh, last week one matchup before we get to some futures really quickly. Cardinals, interesting team. Cornerback room is a little thin. We know that Hopkins isn't going to be available early on. But Kansas City is also pretty intriguing. This is a new-look wide receiver room. Defense is, I think, susceptible on the back end. We'll see if it got any better from a season ago. What do you make of the new-look Chiefs taking on Arizona on the road as four-and-a-half-point favorites? Yeah, I'll take the points with the Cardinals in the spot. Uh, I People kind of forget about how bad the Chiefs' defense was last year. 28th in, yard, in opponent yards per play, 30th in opponent yards per carry. They couldn't stop the run. Uh, 31st and sack percentage. They couldn't get m- much of a pass rush either. So everyone looks at the Chiefs and they think of Patrick Mahomes and they think about all the amazing things that he can do. But uh, there's more than just a quarterback on a football team. So I-, I think the Chiefs are another one of those little bit of an overrated team. And Kyler Murray so far in his career has been very good uh, in the first few weeks of the season. Uh, it seems like every year he's like an MVP candidate, like week six and week seven, and then falls off a little bit as the season goes on. So uh, I-, I don't know if the Cardinals w- will win outright. Uh, but I certainly like the Cardinals getting uh, the four and a half points in this one. All right, let's talk big picture here. Uh, I always I always say it. Last year, the Colts disappointed me in many ways. Lost out on the big payout in the contest because the Indianapolis Colts also had a, a very good 40-1 to ticket on, the, to, on them to win the AFC going into last week of the regular season before they flamed out against Jacksonville. Matt Ryan's going to bring a lot of stability to the quarterback position, and their defense is very underrated. I've got him at 30-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Sounds like you've got a ticket on him as well, and you echo those same thoughts. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, people forget there was like a three or four week stretch last season where people were calling the Colts like legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Obviously, they fell off. They had that uh, upset loss to the Jaguars in the last week that uh, kicked them out of the playoffs. Uh, But this is a very good, very solid team, a team that's kind of built to do well in the postseason. One of the best running backs in the NFL and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I will say there is a little bit of bias uh, myself being a diehard Falcons fan. I love Matt Ryan. Uh, few people have watched Matt Ryan as much as I have throughout his career. I think he's an extremely underrated quarterback. If the Colts were a Super Bowl contender for a few weeks last season with Carson Wentz, imagine what they're going to be with Matt Ryan, which, like you said, brings a lot of stability uh, to that position for the team. So I, I like Matt Ryan. I'll be rooting for him this year. My Falcons certainly won't be contenders. So I'm kind of a half Colts fan uh, this season. But I do think they are a little bit underrated heading into this year. Uh, Elliot, our producer, what, born and raised, right, Elliot, out there? So a uh, very big Colts supporter, uh, as am I. So uh, we're all in unison here. All right, before we get you out of here, uh, I like looking at teams uh, from a preseason standpoint that have a lot of noise around them. A lot of people think positively of them, don't know what's going to be expected of them. Let's go to Miami. Your expectations for the Dolphins this year or what? I So when I was looking at the win totals for this season, the one that jumped over me was nine. Uh, for the Miami Dolphins, I don't understand where that comes from. They had the same net yards per play as the Falcons last season at minus 0.47. Statistically, not a great team. Obviously, they got Tyreek Hill, uh, but the run game was one of the worst in the NFL last year. And I don't think that's a running back issue because they addressed that. I think it's more of an offensive line issue. And also, are we totally sure that Mike McDaniel is a good head coach? He went went viral for a couple of funny quips and press conferences, and all of a sudden he's a head coaching candidate. So I'm just not sold on the, on the Miami Dolphins this year. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that sentiment. Again, and it's all about how Tua develops, and I tend to get a little hesitant when you're just focusing on one player and everything relies on that player to take massive steps forward, especially at the most important position. Uh, Ian, it was awesome talking to you. We're up against it, but thank you very much for the time today, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, my friend. We're a few days away from the NFL season. I can't wait. Good yep, luck last Sunday. Last Sunday without NFL action. So it is going to be great. And by the way, speaking of, a reminder for you, Brent Musburger's countdown to kickoff starts next week, 9 a.m. Pacific time here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. I'll be with you for Live Bet Sunday for the first two hours. And uh, we got an interesting wrinkle for those two hours. And uh, we'll explain that coming up in a couple of minutes. On the other side, let's talk a little bit more in terms of college football. Mike Calabrese is going to join us next to talk about FSU, LSU, Clemson, Georgia Tech, and what he learned from week one. It is live Bet Sunday. This is live Bet Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. It's football season, folks. Betters know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like VSIN. Now's the time to become a VSIN subscriber. Get our comprehensive college and pro guides. Only VSIN subscribers are going to get all the tools to prep for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team, advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up early for a discount of 175. You're going to receive both guides, full VSIN access all the way through the Super Bowl. I will always remind you if you get the, best, the most of a uh, for your money, you get college and NBA basketball guides as well. Go to beeson.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the sports betting network. Might sound crazy, uh, but I've already started working on the NBA guide, and we are actually just over a month out from that season getting started. It's ridiculous. Best time of the year, I swear. All right, let's talk a little bit more about college football and in that realm. Michael Calabrese, nice enough to give us some time today. Got a lot to get to. Of course, does work for the Action Network and Saturday Down South. Uh, Mike, thank you for the time. Uh, So let's start with today first off because we do get a pretty intriguing matchup. LSU-Florida State. We have actually seen a line move over the last 10 to 12 hours. LSU is now upwards of a four-point favorite in this matchup. What do you make of the line move here and uh, what you expect from LSU? Uh, Do you agree with the market that this should be upwards of about four? I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of the market, you know, handing out some extra juice on that FSU money line. Because when you look at this situation, I think it really comes down to the line play on both sides. And LSU returns fewer than 40% of their snaps from last year. And they're going to have a true freshman at the blindside tackle position. I think that plays right into FSU's hands. Robert Cooper and the Albany transfer, Jared Burse, they're going to put a lot of pressure on whether it's Nussberger or, um, or Daniels at quarterback. And I think whoever ends up taking the majority of snaps for LSU, they're going to be under duress. And then it's a question of an FSU scheme to take Kayshawn Booty out of play, or at least, you know, kind of limit him in terms of having, you know, a, a hundred yard plus kind of performance, because if they are able to do that, you turn to the FSU side offensively. And I think there's a lot to like, I mean, Jordan Travis is someone who really cut down on the turnovers down the stretch last year. I mean, that's when they became more competitive. 10-point loss to Clemson, a narrow loss to Florida. I think those were encouraging signs. 
And then when you kind of zoom out on the matchup in general, generally speaking, I think this is a spot that betters like the back. Brian Kelly is a short favorite in, during his time in South Bend, 16 and 10 against the spread, 61% in these spots. But the personal history between him and Mike Norvell, they played the last two years. FSU's covered both numbers. And FSU took him to the wire, lost in overtime last mm-hmm. year. So I think there's value on Florida State here and maybe um, a, a little bit of too much credit being given to Brian Kelly in his first game, you know, with that LSU family. Yeah. What do you make of the quarterback situation? It sounds like it's probably going to be Jane Daniels. We don't need any, anything official for LSU, uh, but any big difference between the two for you? I, I do think so. Although Jane Daniels, for the most part, was, you know, operating within the pocket for Arizona State the last two years, I think you could see him show a little bit more athleticism. But Brian Kelly's not necessarily tethered to that as a play caller. You look at his history with Notre Dame quarterbacks. He was able to play with a Tommy Reese and then also go to playmakers. Even Ian Book was more of a playmaker outside the pocket than some of his traditional passers. So I don't necessarily think there's a strategic advantage or one player coming in and playing hero ball necessarily. So really, I think it just comes down to can LSU patch up those holes on their offensive line and be able to get through a full 60 minutes against what should be an aggressive Seminole defense. All right, let's go back to uh, what we saw yesterday then with that out of the way. Uh, First off, Ohio State, Notre Dame. So I was making the joke yesterday that, hey, man, we had this conversation, right? It's Alabama, it's Ohio State, and then everybody else. Uh, But we watched them scuffle a little bit with Notre Dame. Now, I think the injury at wide receiver doesn't really help anything at all early on for Ohio State. And I do think defensively, I was really impressed with what the Buckeyes did up front. What were your takeaways from the 21-10 win? I totally agree. Jim Knowles was probably the most influential uh, coordinator hire of the offseason. You know, coming from Oklahoma State, a unit that he turned into just a fearsome group that took them right to the precipice of winning the Big 12, despite some some issues on offense. So Knowles was someone who really was going to provide them not only with a strategic advantage, but also adding complexity to an Ohio State defense. So for my money, I wanted to see, could those kids pick that up in one offseason? I think it was reasonable to expect some growing pains there. But you saw exactly what he brought to the table in game one. Notre Dame came out, punched him in the mouth early, hit some big plays, and it looked like this is the Ohio State defense of 2021. But then he goes ahead and makes all of those halftime adjustments. Notre Dame ends up punting on their last six possessions. That, to me, is the big takeaway. Yes, Ohio State had some issues once Jackson Smith and Jigba went to the sideline. But really, I think they can get that cleaned up, particularly get the ball in Henderson's hands more often. Only 15 carries and nothing in the passing game. Keep in mind, last fall, this kid caught 27 passes and four touchdowns and hit some big plays in the screen game last year. I think they're going to be able to get him the ball more often. And I mean, honestly, I think we're just, you know, overemphasizing one game where they showed some rust, rust against the Notre Dame defense and Marcus Freeman. There's a reason Marcus Freeman went from G5 defensive coordinator to head coach of Notre Dame in just two seasons. He's brilliant on that side of the ball. So the fact that he cooked up a great scheme, X's and O's wise, doesn't actually surprise me that much. What did you think of his decision to punt with like the last possession? I mean, that was you're giving up at that point. You are giving up uh, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. It's, you know, the the surrender index as it relates to punts. <laughs> that that one did not, did not look too good for the Fighting Irish. Um, and, and honestly, I think the analytics movement, it just shows that not only can you be more aggressive and play with all four downs, you don't necessarily have to just wait till the end of the game to do it. You have to figure you got to score, you know, in the high 20s, 30s to beat Ohio State. I would have liked to see Notre Dame be more aggressive throughout the night. All right. So with that, we move actually really quick. Last point on that. Any, I don't want to say any worry because you, you mentioned Knowles, that defense for Ohio State's really impressive. Up front, they were really good. But when you watch Ty Buckner in the Notre Dame offense, I mean, they were beat up up front, only 2.7 yards per carry. Their big plays came on like broken tackles, busted coverages. It was not really a good performance from Buckner and the Irish. It wasn't. However, I will say, you know, Jim Knowles' defense, they ended up with six tackles for loss in that game, kind of one yeah. of his, in his calling cards. I think Ohio's, or Notre Dame is going to be able to, to get better as the season moves on. I still think this is a, a team whose ceiling is probably eight or nine wins, and the, the AP poll didn't do them any, <laughs> any favors putting them so high. If they had been in that 13 to 17 range preseason, I think that would have been more fitting. Oh, well, Ryan, they came afterwards and said, hey, man, we just beat the fifth-ranked team in the country by 11 points. That's impressive. Uh, Of course, uh, I think rankings don't really mean that much. All right, let's go to another matchup. So Florida-Utah. So my takeaway here, we talked about this at the beginning of the show. My thing was, I don't think that much different about Utah. I think when you look at it from a game situation standpoint, you just got to score when it's goal to go. And they had two goal to go situations where they came up with zero points. You're not going to win many games doing that. And the other side is, I think you actually just take a come away with Florida thinking, hey man, Anthony Richardson's pretty dang good. And there looks like there could be like, the of all the outcomes for Florida, maybe we're in the reality in which the positive season is here for the Gators. What'd you make of it? 
as someone who's a seasoned Sunbelt better, I've watched a lot of Louisiana Raging Cajun yeah. games over the last three seasons. And this was very similar offensively, but then you put a Ferrari at quarterback. Yep. So those broken plays, he can go 70 yards, you know, carrying the football. But everything else, it had all of the markings of a Billy Napier offense, namely that he protected his young quarterback by only throwing the ball 24 times against a pretty good Utah secondary. So I love what they did from a play calling standpoint. But I was more disappointed, to be honest, on the Utah side, because, yes, I knew in terms of efficiency, the kind of team that they could be. And they they showed it on third downs for the majority of the game. Cam Rising making a lot of big plays with his legs. But honestly, they needed to do more in the offseason to figure out a way to be explosive and to get the ball out on the perimeter. In this game, they complete 11 passes to their tight ends, 11 to their wide receivers and running backs. Of the passes that went to their running backs and wide receivers, just 92 yards. Mm. That's absolutely not going to cut it when you're trying to break through into that elite conversation. I think that's something that's going to be holding them back the whole season. Yeah, that's a really fair point. I think. And where were you with them going into the year? Because it's funny, everybody I have spoken to when it came to the Pac-12, it was... I think probably 10 out of 11 people, whatever it is, oh, Utah's the best team in the Pac-12 uh, over USC. Were you in that same uh, same vein? I was. However, I think the schedule doesn't do them a whole bunch of favors. And yeah. now that we're dealing with just the top two teams as opposed to the North versus South, I think that kind of puts them behind the eight ball, even though USC does have to travel to Salt Lake City. All right, so we'll go on this somewhat quickly because there's not much to take away from an absolute beatdown. Seven of the first eight drives for Georgia, and we'll call them all seven because the backups were in the last drive, all end in scores. They look dominant on both sides of the, the, the line of scrimmage. I'll say this. I've been kind of doing this where it's like, hey, we talked about these two teams in the tier by themselves, Ohio State and Alabama. I think for me, the only takeaway is I think it's time to include Georgia in that tier. Georgia has replaced Clemson at the table in terms of the three elite teams in the entire country. And what I love is that in 2017, a Kirby Smart team would have been content running into a strong Oregon box. Their their front six returned a lot of talent, and they probably would have won this game 28-3. But in 2022, they're like, no, we're going to go after a secondary that we view as weak. They end up 9 for 10 on third down, and Bennett almost 12 yards per attempt. That's the new Georgia offense. That's the evolution. They're not necessarily as as advanced as you know Alabama moving to more of a, a spread offense and trying to get plays on the perimeter, but they're playing to their strengths, the best tight end room in America. So I, I love what Georgia did offensively. I think it just shows that their floor is probably 11 regular season wins, and they're certainly here to stay. Mike Calabrese again, East Breeze, B-R-E-S-E up on Twitter. Mike, it was a good conversation, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you got it. And speaking of college football, a new little wrinkle we're going to have here on Sundays, 11 a.m. Pacific time, and it starts today because we're in the college football season now. Uh, college football line reveal. Yeah, we're going to do this every single Sunday, circa where we're sitting at right now. Famously first to market with these college football lines every single Sunday at about 11 a.m. Uh, 11 a.m. Pacific time. So we're going to be here with you, and we're going to unveil those lines as they get posted, and we're going to talk about those where the market's moving. And uh, throughout the season, we'll get some of the betters on that are actually attached those lines too. Uh, today we got a good show on tap. Amal Shah is going to be with us and Paul Stone. That's going to start at the 11 a.m. Pacific time hour. So that's coming up in about 20 minutes from now. On the other side, we get back to the NFL. Let's talk about some futures and some odds movements in the offseason. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Bet Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Turn a loss into a win with the King of Sportsbooks. Place a one-game parlay wager with at least four legs or any major on any Major League Baseball game. If all legs of the parlay hit but one, you'll get your stake back and free bets up to $25. Log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to take advantage of this offer all season long. Just opt into the one-game parlay insurance promotion, then place a one-game parlay wager with four legs or more on any Major League Baseball game. If you miss only one leg on your wager, you'll receive up to $25 back in free bets. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 years of age or older to wait. New existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets for site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada, New York, or Washington, D.C. It's last few here on Live Bet Sunday. I'll remind you yet again. Next week, Live Bet Sunday is going to be here in this time slot, but at 9 a.m. Pacific time, Brent Musburger's countdown to kickoff will get you ready for the full slate of week one action in the National Football League, and Brent will be there all season long. And also, coming up in 15 minutes, first edition of our College Football Line Reveal Show, where it's essentially just that. Circa right here where I'm sitting, they uh, first to market with all these college football games for the ensuing week of action. So we're going to break down every single one of those lines as they are posted here at Circus Sports. And uh, those are going to be coming up here in a couple of minutes, which means that that show is going to be coming up in a couple of minutes. But we wrap up with a little bit of talk about futures in the National Football League. I wanted to give you a, we'll talk about this from a pro tip standpoint as well. VEASAN pro tips, you can find them up on the website. Great little tool for you up at the betting resources tab has pro tips from every single one of the shows on this network that you can use to hopefully better yourself as a better. Um, and VEASAN's a great spot to do that. Uh, but my thinking here is, and I think this is a somewhat obvious thing, but I think it should be said because there are people who buy into these, which is do not underestimate how much preseason hype and narrative can alter future lines as you kind of head into a season, right? And specifically, we're going to talk about it from an NFL standpoint, but let's take, an, let's take a look at a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, for example, right? Over at BetMGM, if you talk about notable Super Bowl line movement, the Philadelphia Eagles went from 40-1 to 1 in the offseason to 28-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. That's a pretty solid jump in terms of the odds to win the Super Bowl and not based on anything wild in terms of up, uh, off-season additions. There were improvements there, but a wide receiver like an A.J. Brown is not going to adjust your win total uh, from 40-1 to 1 to 28-1. to 1. Uh, That is a little bit of liability and thus hype on the preseason darling that would be the Philadelphia Eagles. And look, I do think that the Eagles, rightfully so, are considered to be very, very good, right? And their offensive line, one of the better ones in the National Football League. Their defensive front is very, very good. And at wide receiver, they're insanely deep. But this jump in terms of Super Bowl odds largely ignores the fact that Jalen Hurts has to show some real growth here as a quarterback heading into this season. Go back to last year's postseason game, which I consistently bring up. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won comfortably in that game because the game plan was you will not run the ball. 
We will do everything to stop it, and we will force Jalen Hurts to hurt us with his arm. And he did not. Jalen Hurts a season ago, in seven out of eight games, threw for fewer than 200 yards in today's National Football League. This is not to say that he cannot make that next step. He obviously very much can. Uh, these guys are young kids, and the developmental curve is different for everybody, and he has gotten a little bit better every single season. And so, yes, there is room for Hurts to grow and thus become the quarterback that everybody expects. But to drive this number from 40 to 1 to 28 to 1, arguably at one shop, obviously, that to me is just it is a symptom of what we're talking about here preseason hype. Liability builds up, so odds have to adjust. But if you're coming into 2022 and you haven't really started betting yet, and you're like Eagles 28 to one to win a Super Bowl, 25 to one to win a Super Bowl, you're you're not getting the value that you should. That is not a number that I think, at least, is accurately priced. So keep that in mind when you look at a lot of these numbers. Now, when we talk about odd jumps for Super Bowl again, we can take a look at quite a few of these teams. For example, the Buffalo Bills, a team that again I believe the market is too high on. Yes, you can say they are the best team in the NFL, but to tell me that the Bills should go from 750 to 6 to 1 is a little I think a little bit too much for me. Especially when you look at the team beneath them in the Tampa Bay Bucks, I don't really think there's a massive difference between the Bills or the Buccaneers, right? Those are the things that you kind of look out for when it comes to movement or ratings and how the market views certain teams. And you see these are the notable offseason Super Bowl line movements. The Packers, as we know, kind of a team and a logo and a brand that we are recognizing. And Aaron Rodgers, of course, with that team. But 16-1 to to 12-1? to uh, the odds to win the Super Bowl seems somewhat high for me, given what we know about the wide receiver position. I love that team from a defensive standpoint. How about the Chargers? A good offseason for the Chargers. Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. But this is one of those things you always have to realize. Teams have weaknesses. We talked earlier in the show about how the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think a lot of people failed to realize how poor they were against the run. You know who one of the worst, and actually in some statistical categories, was the worst run defense in the National Football League? It was the Los Angeles Chargers. You know who really didn't do much in terms of shoring up the interior of their defense and addressing one of their main weaknesses, which is the run game defensively? It was the Los Angeles Chargers. So while we might really like guys like Justin Herbert and the wide receiver core that they have and Austin Eckler and four out of the five positions along the offensive line are solid. Right tackle is still a very big question for them. And you like the additions, J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack and everything. The problem here with the Chargers is there's still a glaring weakness when it comes to the problems that this team had last year, and that wasn't really addressed in the offseason. And by the way, I mentioned J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson, remember, had ankle surgery, and he's going to be out for two to four weeks. And that was about two weeks ago, but they're one of their bigger offseason acquisitions. They come into the year a little hampered. So that's one of the things that I think that is somewhat missed when it comes to these future markets and betting on them. All these teams are really good. But I always say the teams that are really good are not as good as you think they are, and the teams that are bad are not as bad as you think they are. They're always a little bit closer to the middle. And so that when you, for me at least, when it comes to some of these preseason darlings like a Chargers, like an Eagles, like a Bills, I I tend to come off, I guess, hater-ish. But it's more of kind of like a pump the brakes mentality. The odds of them and the probabilities of them surpassing their win totals or winning Super Bowls, things of that nature, are never as high as the market expects them to be. And thus, sometimes, and more times than not, there is value in looking at playing against them, whether it's win totals, like with the Buffalo Bills and the NFL guide, my suggestion was under 11.5 on the really solid plus price on under 11.5 because I think the probabilities are a little high for a team that was 7-6 and through 13 games last year. Those little things. And I think that's the prism with which you should look at a lot of these futures. So let's talk about a couple of other things. You know, AFC conference odds movement, for example. You know, Bills, 4-1 to to 3-1, to not overly surprising when you see the liability build up. And these are, of course, courtesy of BetMGM. Chargers, excuse me, Chiefs, 4-1 to to 5-1. to Not a massive movement there. Chargers, that's the big one, as we talk about. The offseason winners, from 14-1 to to win the AFC to plus 750. And one I would circle, too, as one that I think is very too strong, I would say. The Denver Broncos, from 11-1 to to plus 850 over at BetMGM to win the AFC. When you look at teams like the Denver Broncos, I mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers in this vein. I think a lot of the times people will tell you, hey, like what's the one thing you think about the Chargers? Or excuse me, the Broncos. Good defense, right? I think a lot of people would think initially good defense. If you looked at it statistically last year, they were average. And if you look at a lot of the underlying analytics when the Broncos defensively, they were average. In fact, in the AFC West, all four of those teams 
are at the average defensive teams. But there's this thought process that we get that, hey, man, this Broncos team, they're really good defensively. In reality, Vic Fangio was a really good defensive coordinator who maximized the players that he had. Again, they're not one of the worst defenses in the NFL, but the the thought process that is out there, right, the reputation, there we go, that was the word that I was searching for, that they're one of the best defensive teams in the NFL, it is a little too strong for the Broncos. And you also have a guy in Russell Wilson, and this is one spot, but I think it's PFF in terms of their wins above replacement, their war metric, he's gotten worse each of the last three seasons and is coming off of arguably one of his worst seasons in the last four or five years. And you wonder what that is, if any decline that is there for the Denver Broncos. So again, when you talk about kind of tying this in together with this pro tip that we were talking about preseason hype and narrative tends to water down some of these odds. And I tend to look in other places for the, the V word value, as opposed to looking at the top of the board, because this is where the liability builds up. And this is where the numbers get a little bit watered down. For example, NFL MVP, Josh Allen, your favorite from nine to one to seven to one. The Tom Brady move is actually pretty like it makes sense, right? Because we didn't know he was going to play. So it goes from 22 to one to eight to one. Herbert goes from 14 to one to an MVP to plus 850. Russell Wilson, because he gets a new home from 30 to one to 14 to one. Mahomes from seven to one to eight to one. And then Aaron Rodgers from seven to one to 10 to one. So when I'm looking at the MVP board, look a little bit more toward the middle. Lamar Jackson, 20 to one with an offensive line that is going to be healthier, with a defense, because that matters, right? Winning games matters. And when your defense is going to be healthier, second most lost games to injury, the Baltimore Ravens a season ago, your team's going to be better. They're the favorite to win that division. And if he's a little bit less under pressure, because his numbers under pressure were awful, but when he was kept clean, he was a very good quarterback, arguably elite. I think there's something to be said for Lamar Jackson there. So keep just keep that in mind as you look at this. I don't think I'm preaching anything out of this world, but it's, it's a nice refresher when you look at some of these things. All right, when we come back, it's all college football all the time, baby. Let's reveal some of these lines that are opening up for week two in college football. That's coming up next year on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 